Welcome to Love Bites, the rosé wine of podcasts, here to make your day a little brighter. Love Bites is a safe, loving and friendly space with each guest sharing their experiences without judgment. I hope this conversation inspires you and offers a different perspective. Most importantly, I hope that you feel we've kept you company. Welcome to episode one, season four of Love Bites 2.0. I do appreciate that this new season is six months late, but I really needed the break. I'll talk about this more on today's podcast. I'll be recording with a different guest each week. While Thee remains the Love Bites OG, she has moved on and I fully respect her decision. Don't worry, we haven't fallen out. I still adore her and she will be on as a guest soon. Love Bites has evolved and so have I. The focus isn't on relationships or racy content, although I'm not adverse to this type of content, but the reality is I really want my mum to listen in. On this first episode, I am delighted to be joined by a wonderful friend and mentor in both life and business, Kira Daly. Kira made a name for herself in the makeup game and remains hugely successful in this field. She is one of Ireland's top makeup artists with her own studio on the Lisburn Road, but Kira is more than makeup. She is an unstoppable force and trailblazer when it comes to self-development. She co-created the TLM group that is making serious waves in the industry, bringing Happy Fest, a first of its kind wellness festival to Northern Ireland, amongst other incredible and impactful initiatives. Today, we openly talk about fear, procrastination, and Kira's journey with plant medicines. And with every Love Bites episode, I ask that you keep an open heart and mind free from judgment. Kira Daly, I could think of nobody better. Nobody better in the world to join me on my first Love Bites of the season. I'm absolutely honoured and privileged. I'm so excited and really looking forward to this. I uh, have been doing lots of different podcasts, um, but I'm really looking forward to having some fun on this one. You are the most soothing, lovely, relaxing, wonderful person to be around. There has been a sixth month delay in recording the new season of Love Bites and you've been very much at the epicentre of what I've been going through the last few months and it's definitely been a whirlwind of procrastination like literally procrastination to the highest degree that I've almost felt like paralysed in life I haven't been taking action where I need to why is it that we know something brings us so much joy. We know something greatly benefits us in life. And yet, not only do we not do it, we do the exact opposite. Well, you have to look at the reasons. Like um, Seamus Fox, a good friend of ours, and I asked him this, I'm like, why do we not do the things that we say we want to do and whatever? And even Kieran, his group is called the Knowing Doing Gap, which Bob Proctor talked about a lot. And it's, we know if we do this, it will bring us joy. But the doing, and what's the gap? Um, Seamus talks about, there has to be a benefit to not doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, there had to be a benefit in you not pursuing the new season just yet. Mm 
So it's trusting in that there had to be some sort of value to you. Maybe you just needed that space and that's okay. And I think we always kind of give ourselves a hard time because we're like, we should be doing this and this and this. And we should be, you know, you should have had 10 podcasts in the past six months or whatever. But I think when you look back at what you have achieved in your life, Laura, you're doing all right. I know. This is now, what, season four or five. You've done literally dozens of podcasts already. So you give yourself a six-month break. So what? And you know what? The pressure that we put on ourselves, it could be a podcast, it could be a relationship, it could be a new job, it could be getting in shape. We put so much pressure on ourselves and life then just becomes unbearable. And I find myself berating myself because I wasn't doing all the things that I almost needed to give myself permission just to completely unplug from the situation and just enjoy life without the weight of the world on my shoulders. I talked about it at the end of the last season about the burnout that I experienced in my work. The burnout had me feeling like there was no, I couldn't breathe, Kira. I committed away too many work projects. I've learned from my mistakes. I'm in the infancy of self-employment. You've been self-employed for how many years? 17. 17. Brand new to me. So I'm in a scarcity mindset where if somebody offers me a job, you're paying me pennies, I'll take it. I'll just take it all on. And I took on way too much work and I found myself feeling like I was completely out of control. And I think burnout means different things to different people. For me, burnout is a feeling of overwhelm to the point that you can't really enjoy your life. But mostly it's a feeling like I'm out of control. Everybody else has a stake in me and I just felt like I couldn't get a grip on anything. So I started the new year, the start of 2023, and I had to reevaluate everything. So I was absolutely hitting my financial goals. I was surpassing them, yet I was hating life. I found that I was waking up and if I slept in to 5.30 in the morning, I was like, slept in. And behind the times, working with a lot of Dubai clients, I felt like if I had the audacity to sleep in past 5.30 in the morning, I was a failure. The rest of the day was completely screwed. Couldn't breathe this person, this person. They needed me, they needed me. And I just felt like, what, what have I done? So the start of 2023, I had to completely reevaluate and I cut away, I would say, a solid 50% of my clients. And it impacted me financially. Yet I woke up in the morning and I wasn't crippled with anxiety. I wasn't obsessively checking my phone. I wasn't living on the edge. And I felt like I had agency in my own life. And I just feel so much better for it. Because again, putting myself under so much pressure. And here we are today. And this is something I wanted to do because I love it. And I find it so cathartic. Well, I mean, you've literally just answered your own question there. You needed the six-month break. I know. You know? And so instead, of, like you started that off there saying like why have I procrastinated why have I so you see so you're back to giving yourself a hard time even though you've just said how much you were burnt out six months ago you were screaming for a break and six months on the whole grand scale of things isn't that long to really if you're that burnt out 
it's going to take time and I think that's a lesson that I'm still learning like I resonate so much with what you've said so much which and a thing came into my head I think whenever you're used to running at a hundred mile an hour right go 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 do 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 and everybody's getting a bit of you even when you go down to 60 mile an hour you're like I'm not doing enough we're 60 or 50 40 mile an hour safer you should be more in flow whatever but when your subconscious mind and body is so used to going at 100 mile an hour you feel lazy you're not doing enough like the past year I've kind of felt like I haven't done enough I should have done this 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 and you and don't this. stop you do not stop I know but I'm probably 70 mile an hour whereas it was going at 120 mile an hour Absolutely. so there is part of me going I haven't done enough and then like me and Karen had happy face there and we we went through everything what we have done in under 12 months like 10 months mm -hmm. from the first happy face and it was like we have actually done loads so it's looking back you know and trusting yourself mm -hmm. like look at everything that you have achieved that's kind of your blueprint on the type of person you are you are a hard worker you do get stuff done there's things that we can all improve on but show me the perfect person i do have an overwhelming tendency though to i'm not going to say be lazy because i'm trying to be kind with myself but to procrastinate and i've been listening to a podcast stephen bartlett who i love and he had a brilliant guest on recently he wrote the book Hooked and Indestructible. And he said, we must stop calling ourselves procrastinators. So much of it is down to, he would put it on a, let's say a pie chart. 10% of that procrastination is external triggers. So we might blame our phones. We might blame TikTok. We might blame Netflix, whatever that may be. 90% is truly an internal emotional trigger. So me not doing this podcast, for example, I could say, you're so lazy. You are just such a waste of time. Everybody's messaging you and you just, just hurry up and bloody do it. Or you can actually look at the reasons why I've stalled. The reasons that I've stalled burnout if I was to go even deeper than that, it's a fear. It's so much of what we feel that kind of holds us back is so deeply rooted in fear. I was fearful of going it alone without Fiona. I was fearful of nobody listening. I was fearful of getting on the podcast and screwing it up. And when you think about it like that, you're so inclined to be easier and kinder to yourself. And yeah, I just could think of nobody better than to have you here today. You've just been such a crutch for me. Kira, tell me about you. You've touched on Happy Fest. We know you're a phenomenal makeup artist. Tell me about the experiences in your life that have carved out the Kira Daily of today. From when? From this year or just in you, general? Up, or? up to you. Let's, yes. throw it, let's throw it back. Okay. Well, the big thing you, you said there is fear. Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to touch on that a bit. Fear is the only thing that stops us. It really is. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else stops us from doing anything. Fear, embarrassment, which is fear. 
um, it just stops us from doing anything. And, you know, like in all my years of training girls to become makeup artists, like I talk about that. It's it, it, people talk about confidence. I'm not confident enough to do the podcast on my own. I'm not confident enough to be a makeup artist and to go out and charge people. I'm not. And it's like, it is absolutely impossible to be confident at something unless you have done that thing half a dozen times. Mm -hmm. So what do you do from not to the half a dozen times? So you need, it's not, because people go, I just can't do it. I'm not confident to do that. I don't have the confidence. It's not the word confidence, it's courage. Mm -hmm. And it's always, always about courage. And I think when you start to say, because people will hide behind, say, their personality for talk's sake. They'll say, I'm not outgoing. You're a really confident person, Kira. It's okay for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It's not about personality. It's about your courage. Mm-hmm. And I think whenever you put that to someone and you say to someone, do you have courage? There's a wee fire in there. There's like a wee lioness, especially with me. If you say, well, have you got courage? Because I've had to overcome a lot of fears. Um, I say, yeah, it gets that wee fire going. So anybody who's listening out there, regardless whether it's relationships, jobs, starting a podcast, flipping, becoming a makeup artist, going to the gym, doing something that you haven't done, that your line in your head is, I'm just not confident to do that. Change the narrative to, I just need a bit of courage and I do have courage. And then that builds, and then after the half a dozen times of doing said thing, you're confident at it. That lovely, sweet spot and moment where the thing that you have to actively think about and engage that courage mode, there comes a day or a moment that you're doing it and you just, you don't even think twice about it. You compare it to, I love the analogy of driving. Yes. You're learning how to drive. The sweat is dripping off you. You're literally licking the windscreen. You're like that, white knuckles. Then a few months later, you're actively thinking about it. You still really have to think about your gears and your indicators. And then a few months later, you're doing it. You're You're thinking about where you're going. You don't even realize that you're doing it. And you're like, that's the spot. But it takes you to have courage, repetition over and over and over again. The first time I did the podcast with Fiona, I was sick to my stomach. I had to neck a bottle of wine to do it. I felt ill a couple of months later. Literally was doing it in my pajamas. Hadn't even brushed my hair. It was so easy. Yes. Um, and it's, my God, if we could just understand that, that's the knowing doing, that gap, that bit. We, we would all do everything. And to have the faith yes. that it's going to come. Yeah. And just that's what the goal thing is. And even like with the Bob Proctor stuff, he talks about the terror barrier. So in that process that we're talking about, there's a thing called the terror barrier. Like you go, you put the goal in and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know if I'm going to, all the fear comes in and the the negative talk. And you do it anyway. And you're like, sit to your stomach. So that's you going through the pain barrier. But then once you're through it, you're in the, oh yeah, this is fine. But it's getting through that. You and I went to a public speaking class. Toastmasters on Lisbon. That's right, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I have a fear of public speaking, speaking in front of people. And 
as beginners, they invited us to talk about anything, a cup, a makeup brush, a holiday, whatever. And I remember getting up and actually feeling ill, even though there was only about 20 people in the room, everybody was there with the same mindset. And I still felt sick, felt sick to my stomach. I'd say after about 20 seconds, you just get into the flow. It's almost that first moment of absolute trepidation. See, once you're in the flow, you're like, that was class. I even won the wee prize and all. And you said, you were so good at that story. And you were so natural. And that's another thing. And this is why you need good friends. Because you would never have thought that you were nervous getting up. You were brilliant. They loved you. You're engaging. You're funny. You're charming. So no, and I, I, I always talk about Kieran's wife. Remember, like even when me and Kieran were first like doing, so, and I says, Jesus, I'm shit myself doing that. And Kieran's wife went, I can't imagine you being nervous at anything. And I went, Isn't it incredible the perception that people have? off you. Mm -hmm. So no one in that room thought that you would have been nervous getting up and public speaking. People then, because I have done business and whatever they think, well sure, nothing phases her. Of course, if I haven't done it before, I'm back to square one of the fear and the having to dig deep and to go through the terror barriers all the time. But that's life. You know, you never get to the point where nothing scares you. So is that a misconception about you that, because when we first met, I thought you were the most emboldened, confident, fearless woman. Like, you know, I also never would have thought that you were, had that other side of. I just know that I'm courageous. It's not that I'm fearless. I am riddled with fear a lot but I'm courageous. I'm, I've, and it's, it's not that you're born like that. It, it's a skill that I've had to kind of work on, I guess, you know, and it was like, I've talked to you about the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It's the understanding that it's fear that's stopping you and going, right, well, am I going to let that fear dictate or am I going to do it anyway? Even so, it's the courage. It all comes back to the same thing. So I'm not fearless. I'm, I like to think that I'm a bit more courageous. And I tell you, it, it doesn't get any easier. Like I, you know, even the older I get, the more stuff I do. I'm still, and sometimes it nearly feels like it's a bit harder because then people expect, have an expectation of you you know that it has to be to a certain standard and that's a lot of pressure, you know. Have you always been so courageous? No. Um, no. So how you get your courage and, you know, when it comes to like business or whatever, oh, I'm just, my head's jumping to different things in my life that's changed me as a person. Um, you have to know your why. Um, was I always courageous? No. It's something that has developed. And it was only when I went and did my first uh, plant medicine retreat that it showed me in one of my journeys that when I was 16, 17, I had to find my courage, my inner strength, so to speak. Um, 
and I was like, right. So before that, like being a teenager, was wasn't timid, but I wasn't bolder. You know, I think I got this strength. That's what the, that's what like the ayahuasca showed me. I got like a real strength when I was about sixteen, seventeen, and then again when uh, my marriage broke up and I had two babies, I had to then find my courage again. So different things with your why, when you know your why and you're like, right. And you realize that no one's coming along to save you. And you have to, you are the author of your own life. Today's episode is sponsored by Kira Daily Makeup. My two favorite products are the Bare Palette and the Hero Brush that I use every day. The colors in the Bare Palette are absolutely beautiful and so wearable. My favorite color is Serenity. It's a very natural color. You just apply it to your eye and it really accentuates your eye without it seeming like you're wearing a lot of eyeshadow. Then Believe is a slightly darker shade and you put that into the crease of your eye and it's just a beautiful duo. There's so many amazing eyeshadow palettes out there, but the colors are so weird and wonderful. The reality is you don't get a chance to wear them. Yet the bare palette, I use every single color, some more than others, but they all get used. This palette is a godsend and the hero brush ensures that makeup glides on like a dream. Both are award-winning bestsellers for a reason. Log on to kiradailymakeup.com and use code LOVEBITES10 to get 10% discount. You touched upon your ayahuasca experience. Just drop that in there. So some people listening will not know what ayahuasca is. Other people will be so curious. What is ayahuasca? And can you tell us about your experiences? Okay, so um, I have suffered from depression anxiety for from my mid-20s and um, I was on medication for a long time I got diagnosed with conditioned uh, hormonal imbalance PMDD I was told it was all hormonal related and you keep trying to figure out ways just to feel better or uh, so I did loads of different therapies. I did CBT, MDR, RTT, EFT, all these different things. Did mindset courses, you know, looked after myself, fitness, nutrition, everything. Um, and I think what most people will resonate with is they're always thinking as soon as they get to somewhere, they'll be happy. So I was like, right, if I, if I, have the bigger business or if I'm you know, if I'm earning this amount then I'll be happy if I do this then I'll be happy if I lose a half a stone if I go to the gym if I get all my ducks in a row then I will be happy and I just felt like I was always just nearly there just couldn't quite get there I had bad bouts of real dark times but always trying my best and working and doing and and, and trying to figure stuff out um, and then a few years ago, as I said, I got diagnosed with condition, told to have a hysterectomy that this might resolve said problems, uh, but there was no guarantee. And that really, really frightened me. And uh, lots of different things happened. A good friend of mine took his own life and it was lockdown and just questioning a lot. And I remember just making a decision that I needed to try anything and everything before 
I went down the drastic route of a hysterectomy, ophorectomy. And I met a friend who started to mention psychedelics. Now, for someone who doesn't even really drink that much, I just, as I would say, the majority of people who I mention psychedelic, even the word to, they're like, no, drugs. That's the conception that, you know, that they have. And no. But when this guy, friend of mine, says to me, Kira, it'll really help you with your depression or it'll help you. With, and I just, of course, my ears perked up. Um, so I started to research it and it was all about you had to go to the Amazon jungle. So ayahuasca is a brew of two trees in the Amazon jungle that the indigenous people have used for thousands of years. Um, and basically you drink it, you ingest it and it will bring you on a psychedelic journey for four to some, they say four hours, I'm there all night. <laughs> Um, You're getting your money's worth. Oh, jeez. I wish it was only four hours because it's not an easy journey. But um, anyhow, so that's what it does. It, it's basically, for anybody who doesn't know a lot about psychedelics or that type of thing, it will, you know, we live off 5%, 3 to 5% conscious mind. 95 to 97% is subconscious mind. So the majority of everything we do is all subconsciously. Um, like tying your shoelace, driving a car after time, it'll go into your subconscious program. And so the majority of our behaviors and patterns and programs is all without us even really thinking about it. So what, when I went to do, you think you know yourself. Okay. This is what I say to people and I hear it so much. And they're like, oh, I've done, I've done loads of therapy. I know what I'm like. I'm like, <laughs> you don't because I now know that I don't even know what I'm like and I've done lots of psychedelic journeys I learn a lot more mm -hmm. but um you don't know yourself because it's all subconscious mm -hmm. so what the ayahuasca journeys do is they will open your subconscious mind your your subconscious programming and it will show you it's nearly like unraveling your life for you so any past traumas any past incidents that have happened that kind of steered you in a different direction stuff that you can't even remember like say somebody said something to you when you were 11 or 12 and it made you a bit paranoid about your shoulders for example and you've completely forgot about it but you've lived your life and you're kind of a bit I don't even know why come up with my shoulders but you get what I'm saying right or somebody might have said something to you that then made you feel like you had a big bomb or whatever, or even relationships or rejection or being shunned as a small child, all what makes us into the person who we are. So I do believe that we are born, you know, and I say this with my kids, you're born with a certain temperament, but it is a mixture, I believe, of nature and nurture. You know, it's a series of events will make you survival a certain, just go into survival mode a certain way because you have to protect yourself because that thing that happened to you. So what ayahuasca does is it literally unravels all of these programs and allows you to see 
that you don't have to keep doing the thing that you were doing. Like when I went, I was just, it was just, like when you go to therapy, like talk therapy, you will have aha moments. You will be like, right, so that's why I reacted like that or that's why that person reacted to me. Right, I get that. So everything is about awareness. And so for years, reading books, doing self-development, understanding mindset, fascinated with psychology and, you know, psychiatry and is it the body, is it the mind, is it the nature, is it the nurture? I've just always had such a fascination and I thought that I had done the work. Mm -hmm. Ayahuasca blew all that out of the water. It makes you see life, it makes you see yourself, it makes you see this planet, universe, connection, consciousness so deeply that it will change your perspective of life forever. Big statement. The first time that we met, you just dropped in that you had been on an ayahuasca journey and I was so fascinated because I think you were the... I had a friend in Dubai, she actually went to the Amazon to do it and she unearthed so much. She said it was genuinely one of the most at times traumatizing experiences because you're bought face to face with things that you've either locked away in your subconscious or you've purposely pushed down. She said the reason that she was confronted with, you know, something that happened to her, it's not always going to be like that for everybody. There's not one thing that contributes. But to her, she said it was traumatizing, but absolutely freeing and wonderful in equal measure because the thing that she had locked away had affected every single thing that she did in life so if she didn't face it there and then it was just going to continue to impact negatively impact her her life besides from her and joe rogan of course who talks about it at length you were the first person i'd met in real life in ireland who had been on this journey and one thing that really compelled me about your story is the fact you were so open about how low you were on the run-up. You, you, you were at your wit's end. You were considering a hysterectomy. And you were taking medication, did your ayahuasca experience, and then came out the other end. And that's been it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest, and this is why I'm very passionate now about sharing my story and letting people know that there is things out there. Um, I'm not on any medication um, at all. And that kind of blows people's minds a wee bit. And I would have been the first person to say, like four, five, six years ago, if someone had said the same to me, I would have went, I know, but you don't understand. I need my medication for this, 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 and this. I need my antidepressant. I need my HRT or whatever. I didn't believe that you could heal yourself. But three years ago, the first time I went, I was so desperate to feel better, that I was willing to try anything. And when it really unraveled all of that, and now I understand that you really can heal yourself, like deeply. 
again, something that sticks with me. You, the, the, so the, the process of ayahuasca, you take the elixir and everybody is joined in a circle and there's purging, right? So you vomit, you go to the bathroom, like all the things. And I had asked you, like, were you not mortified the fact that you were like vomiting in front of people and you were like, love, when you are meeting the maker of creation, do you think I give a damn that Daniel besides me is vomiting? You are literally on another, you're like thrust out into the, the universe and you meet your maker. Do you think I really care that yeah. he's running to the bathroom? Yeah. Do you know, you it's see, that but, but there you go. That's the typical programming yeah. that we have. But when you're doing an experience like that and the bond that you will get with them other people in that room and you will understand that, see Daniel beside you or Mary on this side, or, them people are the exact people who you're meant to be on that retreat with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how it all kind of connects is quite astounding. And you literally, there is not, you leave your, it's a bit like going into labour. They call it the ego death, right? Yes. Like, it is a bit like going into labour. Like, it's so, like, I'm going again very soon and I am so nervous. Okay. How how many times have you done it? I've been on a a couple of retreats and done it a couple of times each time. I am so nervous, I can't even tell you, because I know what I'm going, what's in store. However, you could say that when you've had a couple of babies. You're so nervous about the labour, but you know what you're getting out the other side of it. And that's what I have to keep remembering. I'm like, I just can't wait to get it over and done with. But it is extremely difficult. There's no two ways about it. But if you just do the analogy of what you get after it is so, and one of the facilitators who I'm good friends with, Shane, he always says, on the other side of fear is where the magic lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that applies to so many areas of life. Like people might be listening going, yeah, fair play, but I have no desire or need to do ayahuasca. You'd be the first to say that not everybody needs to do ayahuasca. Um, Look, we're, we're trying to, and this is why even Happy Face and Stuff was born. All I want is to help people understand and know that there's ways to be happy. And if you're living your life and you can't figure out which were I felt like I was for a long time, I just couldn't. Why was I not enjoying my life? I had beautiful everything. Why was I not enjoying it? No matter what I tried, it was in this negative kind of, not bloody miserable all the time, but just like, sis it. Lackluster approach to life. mediocre. Nothing seemed to fulfill me. I never had that joy that you have when you're a kid. You're just loving life. Just a bit of an existence. No worries. And it was only after I did the ayahuasca, I went, it was like that, yeah, and to the point, and I say this to people, I'm like, you forget. If you've been on like medication or you have been suffering badly for years, you actually forget how it feels to be happy. And the feeling, and I've said this on Oates podcast, you just are so 
happy and content and oh my god I did all that to myself you put the fear and you put the the pressure on yourself um, because you're you're thinking that all of this will make you happy when it's all of that pressure that's actually making you miserable it's the irony of it but the the plant medicines unravel the irony of that if you're a person and my poor sister always gets a mention when I talk about this. She is the most happy, content, lovely, beautiful person. She's there. She doesn't need to be good and, and purging and whatever. She's like, I'm great the way I am. So if you're great the way, then of course you don't need to do these other things. It's only when you're in pain or in despair that you will look for other ways to get out of being in pain. That's why we have pain. It's a signal to, that something so is needs right. to change. And you've touched on Happy Fest a couple of times. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so last year, um, in doing all the kind of alternative ways of living my life, my lifestyle has changed so dramatically over the past few years. I have discovered all of these beautiful people and modalities and things that people can do just to help them feel and to understand themselves and to live a healthier, happier life. But so many people were coming in to me like when I was doing my makeup and stuff in here and they were like, how do you know about these things? I've never heard of that. And what does that do? And do you need this? And I don't understand what that is. And I was like, and then I'm going to do this stuff and these people were like, ah, they weren't, they didn't know how to market or advertise or get the business. So it was like, and then I, I did a, a shamanic journey and I had this very clear vision that my purpose in life is to connect these people to these people. Mm -hmm. So these people can help these people and these people can obviously... So that was when it happened. And obviously, Kieran does what he does with natural resilience, which he does one-to-one uh, -one mentor, and he does a lot of kind of uh, mindset talks and loads of different things helping people. So he was like I'm a good friend of mine. So he was the perfect person to do this alongside with. So we, want, we created an event, a festival, um, and it wasn't just, and with, tipped on this before we started recording I didn't want to just have as I put it the hippie side of stuff like just the psychedelics you know beating a drum whatever if that makes you happy great but what I wanted to do and especially we up the ante this year is there are so many different ways to help you be happy and it is figuring out what you're happy what makes you happy because everybody's different and it's finding the beat of your own drum so whether that is psychedelics whether that is maybe just a bit of breath work or maybe it's just going to the gym maybe it's just reading a book maybe it's um good nutrition uh yoga so the, and then there was we had loads of tedx speakers this year uh some are really successful business people we had um, Sculpted Vegan, multi-million pound business um, bodybuilding for vegans. Mm -hmm. We had a girl who flips houses and how she's changed her whole life and that's what's made her feel fulfilled and happy. So it's not just all about the woo-woo stuff. So we wanted to go, look, this is what life has to offer. 
go and fi figure out and find out, do you want to try a bit of that or do you want... So just inspirational people. Um, for me, makeup too, makeup makes me happy. You know, and I was so lucky that I found that. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's happy face. And there's loads, we're doing loads more in and around that. You know, it's not just the festival. We're doing our retreats and we're doing, we have a, a, a podcast. So it's going to be really in-depth conscious conversations as it's called about all this type of stuff um and we have a few other things coming this year as well good stuff you and Kieran work very 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 well together um you've both garnered garnered an amazing reputation for being experts in your field but also lovely people so I can't wait to be taken on this journey with you so let me ask you what do you hope to get out of because there's a change in the wind now with this podcast. So what are you hoping for? I like the way you turned that around, uh -huh, don't you, Karen? Thanks yeah. so much. Finish off. For me, this is definitely like a, as corny as it sounds, because we hear it all the time. It's a personal journey. I feel like this brings so much to my life. And I find it very cathartic. I work from home and a lot of us are working from home now. A lot of us feel quite lonely in our lives despite having lovely relationships and families. I'm now out of the office and sat in front of a laptop and I genuinely love listening to podcasts. I feel like it's brilliant company. I feel connected to the conversation. I am one of those weirdos that when I listen to somebody in a podcast, I go and message them on Instagram and say, that was really good. I love that bit. It was crying my eyes out to this bit or that was so inspiring. And quite often the reply, and these are people with million followers and multi-millionaires and stuff. People love to feel connected to others. So for me, I it's a cathartic move. Um, and also I love connecting with other people. I really do. And what really upped the ante on me getting back to record was people messaging to say when's the podcast coming back you know we're really we've missed you and I thought gosh you know what this actually does have the power even if it's just to feel connected um and for one woman listening to a podcast on her walk feeling like she's a bit of company well you know my sister was like you know back to back she listened and she's like like I like in the first time she met you she was like oh my god I just feel like I know her like she just felt like she was mates with you and that's lovely yeah. especially for people working from home which she was at the time yeah. you know so, so that's one of the reasons and thank you for being here with me on the very first one I know now for my favorite part of the podcast love bites recommends I asked each guest including myself what brings them joy what are they loving? It can be a book, a movie, a podcast, anything at all. What is bringing you joy in life at the minute? See, at the minute, um, so because I am so much into like self-development and self-discovery and conscious awareness and whatever, but sometimes you can OD on that. So at the minute, I'm just really enjoying a novel. Okay. Called Three Women. Lisa someone, can't remember, I should have looked it up before I, I come on. We'll put it on the show notes yes, anyway. It's like sometimes I don't want to let, you know, because I do, like I'll go down the rabbit hole of the podcast and the Mel Robbins and the Stephen Bartlett and the flipping Jordan Peterson and 
lot of, and I love like Ram Dass and a lot of Gaia stuff and Joe Dispenza and Bob Proctor, the whole bit. And then I'm like, it's a lot. A lot. Overload. A lot. So sometimes you, I will just get as much joy out of reading a novel or watching like the new season of Just Like That, Sex and City. It's like just switch off and allow just easy. Yeah. Just an easy movie. I don't know about you with novels, but I never rush to bed to pick up a self-help book. book. To me, it's what I put on, on Audible, yes. that you introduced me to. Thanks so much, by the way, going from a walk. And it's not that it's a chore, but I'm not like, I can't wait to read that book. Yet a good novel, I literally will go to bed an hour early and I really need help with bedtime because I could stay up until 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. A good novel will help me go to bed earlier. Even if it's reading it for half an hour, it'll put me to sleep. And I, lit, I, I buzz off a good novel, so I completely agree. There needs to be a balance between the self-help, the self-development, and a novel you read for pure enjoyment. Um, so what's the name? Three Women? Three Women. That's okay. it. I'll figure it out. I'll find out. It's sitting... Um... Is it a thriller? Is it a... It's, uh, I'm only about a third the way in. It's about three separate women. So it's, it's gone her story, her story, her story. So it's only starting to come together. Enjoying but one it of them's so a far. swinger. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. So I'll give you it when I finish. Love, loves yeah, a swinger. Yeah. Um, enjoying it so far. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I would love to recommend a book that I read probably on the third or fourth round. And each time that I feel like I'm having a wobble, I go back to this book. And it's one that you love to, and it's Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. What a phenomenal book. A lot of the self-help books I find can be a little bit preachy. They can be, almost make me feel worse about myself because everything is just so overly articulated that you almost feel like out, out of the loop. Susan Jeffers has an ability to write that makes everybody feel like we're on the same level. It's so open, so approachable, so accessible. And she speaks in real language using real terms for real people. And I think she's brilliant. And if anybody is feeling fear, which I think the majority of us feel in some way, shape or form, that book is absolutely unbelievable and I will continue to read that book over and over um but thank you for being here with me uh Kira will you come back of course you're going to be here you're going to be one of my reoccurring guests so Kira's going to be here every month you're going to come back after you've had your ayahuasca retreat plenty to talk about then plenty to talk about and fill us in on what's happened and thank you 